0: Welcome to the Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. This is episode six. Did I say that already? No. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. (laughs) Boy, every other week and we're already rusty, I'll tell (laughs) you. Episode six of the Book Cougars. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And um, we have a little follow-up to episode five. We do.
1: Um, I think if you listen to that episode, you'll remember I talked about Melanie Robb's novel, The Trap. And that one of the things that gave a little tension to the book, but then made me wonder about the translation, some of the characters referred to the main character as Frau, and she's unmarried. And Frau line used to be what an unmarried woman was referred to. And we had our first letter from somebody, contribute letter, (laughs) first email, um, uh, we have had emails, and thank you so much to everyone who's emailed us in to say that they really enjoy the podcast. We love hearing from you. Yes, email us anytime you anytime. want. Anytime, yeah. Feedback, um, all sorts of feedback. We love to hear. But this was our first email that we got that was specifically talking about something we talked about right. in the podcast. It's from, um, and we're not sure how to pronounce her name, but it's Elka or Elkie. I had a friend named Elkie, and that's how we pronounced her name. It was the same spelling. And um, so Elke, should we
0: go with Elke? Elke. Sure. I was hoping you'd pull out some good German. Elke. Elke.
1: (laughs) I don't have good German. (laughs) I don't have any. So So, um, anyway, but she is in Germany and she wrote to us and said that, um, I guess I could just read this, right? Yeah. I just listened to your podcast number five and loved it. Definitely going to pick up Will Schwalbe's new book. You were talking about Melanie Robb's novel, The Trap and we're wondering whether calling the protagonist Frau instead of Fraulein might be a translation mistake. I think I can shed some light on this. The term Fraulein for unmarried women is no longer in use. At least it shouldn't. If you come to Germany and use it, you might get some dirty looks. Fraulein is considered to be sexist because there is no such thing as hairline when referring to an unmarried man. I remember being called Fraulein in the early 80s when doing an internship but some years later, the term seemed to have vanished completely from daily living. Thank goodness. So that's Thank you interesting. so much, Jokey. We appreciate yeah. that. And we kind of talked a little bit about it, um, how it's in some ways related to the English miss, Mrs. miss, miss, and miss. Right. Because um, miss, for a woman over 21, I really don't think it's pr- appropriate anymore to use that.
0: Unless you live in the South, or even when I lived in Maryland, which I didn't consider the South when I moved mm-hmm. there, but, you know, people would introduce me to their children as Miss Emily. Yeah.
1: Well, and, and that I think that's, odd. that's a different thing. Like, uh, I think that's almost like a term of endearment hmm. and that kind of mess. Yeah. Um, I, I have one of my alma maters, I would still get mail from them to Miss Chris Wallach,
0: hmm.
1: M-I-S-S. And it's just yeah. like, really, it's... Yeah. The 2000s, where yeah. are you? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's Ms. usually. Yeah,
0: yeah. Or nothing. Yeah, it's true. and But it's interesting how they don't have, they didn't go to three different versions. Mm-hmm. You know, like here in the States, how we created this MS during the Feminist Revolution, right? Yeah. But, um, it, you know, mm-hmm. I just thought that was an interesting difference. Yeah. But I, we really appreciate you sharing that with us. And it's... um Wonderful to know that Germany is forward-thinking like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of good things
1: coming out of Germany. Like, I know one thing that they do business-wise, a lot of businesses, it's you can no longer contact employees after work.
0: You can't email
1: them. That's great. After, say, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, or on the weekends. Huh. It's illegal, which I think is awesome. Yeah,
0: well, those are boundaries that, you know... We work for ourselves, so we have to implement our own boundaries. But I think that those are boundaries that it would be really good for the corporate world to think about because mm-hmm. the twenty four seven mentality of the email life that you know people have to face in their work life is is tricky, it and is, I think yeah. is causing a lot of stress for people and making mindfulness even more important these exactly. days. <laughs> well, and so many studies show too that working overtime chronic overtime decreases people's performances. No, I believe that. So, yeah, I believe that. But on the on the same token, I'm also a believer that if you're fortunate enough to have flexibility in your work life and you can work when you're feeling productive, that that's really a great use of your time. So, for some people to me the kind of the the arena, the 9 to 5 arena of the work life is not necessarily your most productive time. So if you're someone who's a night owl and you would really be a more productive person if you showed up at work at noon, you know, it'd be nice if there was some flexibility around that. But I recognize that that's not a real world proposition. You yeah, know, a lot of business takes place <laughs> between <laughs> nine and five. Right, so, yeah. yeah
1: well, and the whole did the um, salutation issue, I think in old English, there was a gender neutral
0: Hm. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering my studies correctly oh that's interesting yeah cool for you to dig that up yeah i'll have to check that out yeah i wonder what it was hey you oh gosh i don't remember (laughs) that was many moons ago anyway all right right. shall we move on 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 to what we've just read would you like to start yeah sure i um i have just read
1: a few things one being carmilla that 1872 novella the vampire story by Joseph Sheridan Le Fanu. I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, it predates Dracula by 20, 25 years, and there are, there's some great lesbian overtones. Mm. It's about a young woman, a young aristocratic woman, living with her dad in this big castle in Austria, I believe, and women in the area are dying.
0: Mm. And this
1: mysterious coach pulls up. And I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, and I, many moons ago, I read a story called uh, Dracula's Guests by Bram Stoker, who wrote Dracula. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned yeah. that. Okay. Um, and, and I guess that was really based in part a lot on this Carmilla story. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Which was a sensational story of the time and very popular. And there, the uh, Sheridan LaFanu and Bram Stoker are both Irish And their paths crossed in the theater world. Mm -hmm. I know that much. But I do want to read more about the author and and Carmilla and its influence. Um, It was a story that, it might be the first one, that places the vampire as an aristocrat. When traditionally in folklore, I don't think they were. I'm not really sure about mm. that, but like, oh, you know what? Let me talk about. Well, I'm gonna jump the gun. I will I'll talk about that book later. Okay. My, I mean? Okay, I will. Okay. I will. So. So was it scary? You know what I? No, no. Be, only because like I've read so much of the vampire stuff. <laughs> You're hardened to the scary yeah. parts. Yeah. You yeah. know, and it was. I was just interested in it because I, I love va- I love my vampires to be mean and nasty. I should mm. put that up there front. so I haven't read all of the more popular vampire stuff that's out there now. So I was looking to read some earlier vampire novels before the Vampires got handsome and lived in Manhattan and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't scary in that sense. You know what I should say there were some scary parts, yes. Okay. You know, but like I'm so aware of the different vampire conventions and stuff. So I'm when I'm reading a vampire story, I'm I'm paying attention. To like, oh, that's different. Oh, that's a new thing right. in the vampire right? Yeah, world
0: or, or you know the worlds that are created around vampires. Put it that way. So so it doesn't scare you that you know people are getting their blood sucked and dying and things like that. That doesn't bother you. No, it doesn't. <laughs> To know.
1: Uh, the the book that I read too this um it, it's available in a lot of different editions uh, Carmilla, is the one I read was a critical edition and in the from Syracuse University Press's Irish Studies series because hmm. hmm. again he was an Irish writer right. but one of the essays in here talks about how it's very much a Irish story okay and and making connections to the British and the British hmm. sucking the blood of Ireland and yeah. Wow. Really intense. Cool. Yeah. Wow. I don't really. I don't think about that kind of interpretation at all. So. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, if I think about vampire stories historically, I'm interested in like you know Ivan the Impaler, and the infidels coming through, and I'm just gonna stop
0: talking now. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. any of that <laughs> stuff. So you go, girl.
1: <laughs> well, I should say one thing I like is that in, in Dracula. Uh, Vlad the Impaler was uh, a Wallachian. I'm not sure how you pronounce that, but it's W A L L A C H I E N I A N Wallachian. And my last name is Wallach, yeah, I was so I was like, say. Mm, maybe I'm descendant? related because <laughs> my family comes from like
0: Eastern Ooh. Germany, Poland." So, well, and that's your your. In, in, interest and in infatuation with the old, scary vampire totally, types. Yeah. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. I love... Can I... You know, we talked about one of your... The book that kind of was really in, instrumental in your reading life. Mm-hmm. And Dracula, for me, was the book that made me what I call a self-selecting reader. Mm-hmm. Because up until the time I'd read Dracula, I read stuff. You know, my parents would bring books. I'd go to the library with my mom. Friends would loan me, you know, books... Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, and you know, those yeah. kinds of books. But I remember one day in school getting the Scholastic
0: catalog. Oh, I
1: loved the yeah. Scholastic catalog.
0: <laughs> I can still right. remember having those in my hands. Yeah.
1: And I remember sitting there, and the teacher gave us time to look through them, and I, I flipped it open, and there was a picture of Dracula, Bella Lugosi, who I think is the best mm. Dracula ever. And I was, like, in my head, because it was quiet time, but in my head I was like, no way, they made a book out of Dracula? <laughs> my first thought. So I remember going home and asking my parents if I could get it, and they were like, oh, yeah, of course, get as many as you want. Because yeah. they, they were big readers and wanted to support me reading. So I read it, and I felt like it took the whole summer to read it, mm. but I loved it. I loved every minute of reading that book, mm. and then that led me to asking at the bookstore the next time, I was there. Are there any other books like Dracula? Mm-hmm. And the, the bookseller took me over to the horror section and pointed out Stephen King and maybe mm-hmm. even put Salem's Lot in my hand. I don't really remember. But that then made me really start looking for books that I
0: wanted to read rather than books that just kind of crossed my path. Right. That's cool. And yeah. that sewage is, sewages, sewages, I never know how to say that word, my guilt from our last recording when I didn't ask you that question oh. in return. It's <laughs> was like, huh, I wonder what Chris is. I thought of that as I listened to the episode later, you know. but And then I've also felt tremendous guilt at choosing a book, you know, I do, because yeah. I was laying in bed the other night and I was like, what about James and the Giant Peach by Roald Dahl? That changed your life, you know. I mean, there's yeah. endless books that I feel like, you know, in in my... It, it when i read them for some reason in my youth it changed how i looked at reading or how i treated reading yeah, in my life you know? absolutely so. and
1: i think you know some people we've had that conversation about favorite authors like mm-hmm. we have a hard time choosing one and yeah. i have no problem saying willa cather yeah. does it for me like yeah. i love her um and i think some people they just see things differently they have different relationships with things and
0: I think that's a kind way of saying some of us have commitment issues, Chris. <laughs> totally... Maybe there's a reason I'm single. I don't know. I totally was not going there. Um. That's okay. I did it for you.
1: I guess I'm a little bit of a fangirl. I don't know. Maybe that's it with the,
0: the whole Willow Cather thing. Yeah. And Dracula. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I there's I couldn't, I don't, I mean, maybe if someone were holding a gun to my head and said, choose your favorite author, I'm sure I could come up with somebody, <laughs> but there's no guarantee I would have had the same answer the next week. Right, you know, yeah. I guess that's kind of how I feel about that it. That's awesome. So, very good. Totally cool.
1: So that was my first read, Carmilla, Joseph Sheridan Lafanu, 1872. Perfect.
0: Well, I finished reading Bad Feminist by Roxane Gay, mm-hmm. which I know we have talked about, I think, three episodes <laughs> in a row, but... Hey, she's worth it. Totally. Um, it, this was a five-star read for me. I loved it. Um, I finished it over this last weekend, which was the inauguration weekend. So for me, it was the perfect antidote to be reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading it and in between you know, getting on Facebook and watching the pictures of people marching, and you and I at one point had planned to go down to D.C. Yeah. and um, do the march and then combine it with some visits to bookstores, and then for various reasons, we weren't able to go but I do want to publicly as public as this podcast is <laughs> thank the people who did march um, really I think it was a fantastic weekend and um, we have some work to do in this country yes, and I think will. it was a good kickoff for that it was it
1: was it gave me hope yeah seeing women and men, men marching all over the country and yeah. all over
0: the world yeah it really Fed my soul. Some yeah, good stuff. Me too. And there were some great signs that were yes. posted. You know, one of my favorites was, um, "This is so bad, even the introverts are out." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which probably would have been my sign, but, um, but one of the one of I have only one complaint about Bad Feminist, and that was, you know, just to remind people, this is a book of her essays, and um, sometimes when you read a book of essays you in the back or in the front. They'll tell you where the different essays were published because many of these had been published prior to the you know being printed in this book. Mm-hmm. And I feel like had they done that, it would have given a little bit of context for some of them, which which could have been helpful. Not that I didn't enjoy them, but sometimes I was just like, I wonder why she's writing about this, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, so some of them I just started to look up because I was curious, and you know she was the editorial, es- or no the essay. The editor for the essays on the Rumpus, okay, and so many of them had been published um, in the on the Rumpus, and she also wrote a lot about movies and you know her reaction to various movies like The Help and you know mm-hmm. um, Fruitvale Station and stuff like that. So many of the essays had to do with that, and so I think that's where they came from. Um one of the my favorite essays that I read, and it was perfect to read it again last weekend was called the Ali Alienable Rights of women yeah
1: i read I read it last night.
0: Mm. I read that one last yeah. night yeah, really good, mm-hmm. didn't you think? really good, yeah. yeah, and
1: really good and also really old, yeah, you know when you think about. Our current president signing legislation to ban abortion just the other
0: day. And it's just like, oh, I... Well, that's the first thing I did was look at the date of when she wrote it. Because Mm -hmm. I looked that one up and it had been published in the Rumpus. And um, I put it on our Facebook page, the book Cougars Facebook page. And I will also put a link to it in our show notes. I highly encourage that you go read it. Um, And when I saw that it had been published in 2012, I was like, wow, nothing's changed. Things are going the wrong way. Things are totally going
1: the wrong way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, I'm glad I I read it, Um, but I'm also sad that, you know... We're not making more progress In instead. But um, the other thing I wanted to talk about about Roxane Gay in the news yesterday was that she made quite a stand up against uh, the publisher Simon & Schuster, which is a big publishing house. Her She's pulled the publication of her new book. Mm-hmm.
1: That was set for February or something, yeah. I think.
0: And I think yeah. this was, she has many books coming out. Because yeah. Difficult Women was just published. Hunger, her memoirs is coming out. Mm-hmm. But this I think was a book of essays.
1: Yeah, this was about speaking up. What was the title of this
0: one? I can't remember. I don't remember. I remember yeah. To say. Um and she do you want to talk a little bit about why she pulled it? Because I feel like you have you understand it a little bit. Oh more than well I, do.
1: I remember seeing a notice of it. It was either Publishers Weekly or Shelf Awareness announced that Simon and Schuster gave a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar advance to my low... I don't even know how to pronounce his last it's name. It's y-
0: Yiannopoulos? Yiannopoulos
1: um, yeah. Who is known for... You know, he calls himself uh, an advocate for free speech, but really he's very racist and sexist and says a lot of harmful things. He's been banned for life from Twitter for his attacks on an African-American woman. Um, so they, from what I understand, approached him and offered him the book contract. So it caused a lot of people to be very angry that it appeared that Simon & Schuster was giving this man a platform Mm -hmm. for his ideas. Mm -hmm. And they responded by saying that they're all about free speech and they are not giving him a platform for hate speech. But at the same time, this is what this guy has kind of built his career on, Mm -hmm. seeming to be hate speech. Right. And I know the Chicago Book Review... Has vowed to not review any books by Simon and Schuster for the whole year, wow. which is a pretty big commitment on their part. Mm. Wow! Yeah, so that happened. I what I think it's just been within the last month, maybe two yeah. months. So uh, Roxanne Gay's announcement that she was pulling her book mm-hmm, was a pretty
0: pretty big news. Yeah, and she's making a stand, and she also did make it clear in her statement, which I'll also put a link to that in our show notes, that you know she's fortunate enough to be mm-hmm. an author that can make this statement exactly. because she's had plenty of success and that she recognizes that, you know, other authors will have to make different difficult decisions. Exactly. So it's not a judgment against other people and that they're publishing with Simon & Schuster or right. anything like that. But yeah. she's making a bold political statement, and I'm. it's just another reason to be proud of her and to be glad that she exists and that we get to read her writing, you know.
1: Exactly. And that's one of the things I really admire about her her writing and, and the event where we saw her speak in uh, New York a couple weeks ago is that she always makes it clear, well, you ask for my advice, this is what I advise, mm-hmm. if you can. Mm-hmm. Like, right. you know, it's not always possible right. to stand up and say this or to go over there and do that. Like, we're all individuals, we all have unique situations that we're in, and to give it a, a broad answer to something, this is what a feminist should do. It doesn't work for everybody, right. and I think that's that's one of the ways that the people who oppose feminism chip away at it, mm-hmm. by saying, oh, you tried that, it didn't work, feminism feminism doesn't work, when it's not the point that doesn't work that way. Right. It's, very, it's, it's political, it's personal, it's individual, and it needs mm-hmm. to be all
0: of those things. Right, and that's very much the point she makes throughout Bad Feminist, and also just how we're... We're complex human beings, you know, and she loves pink and she loves pop culture and she loves Channing Channing Tatum, Tatum, which she made very clear the night we saw her in person, you know. And so um, we all have our own complex set of circumstances, you know. We do.
1: I mean, look at me. Like, I don't even have a uterus. I'm currently married to a woman. I plan to be, hello, Laura, married to you forever (laughs) for the rest of my life. But, like, I have no personal concerns about abortion for right. myself right. but I've always supported abortion rights mm-hmm. um right. you know so regardless of my situation I know like women should have a right to do with their body what they want just like men right
0: yeah exactly yeah yeah
1: and yeah. I love that line uh, from Legally Blonde. Did you see Legally yeah, Blonde? Yeah, but I don't know what okay. line I'm, I'm so waiting with faded breath. <laughs> she's in school. They're in a classroom. And she's making an argument for a child custody case. And where this man had a one-night stand with a woman. And now he's trying to get custody of the child that was the result of that one-night stand. And Elle Woods, who, if you don't know Elle Woods, go watch Leg- Leg- Legally Blonde. It's a great movie she's making an argument saying uh, her final argument being that why this child why now when the man had a history of one night stands and she makes a point that every masturbatory emission could be termed reckless abandonment mm. if you want to look at a one night stand giving you legal rights to a child then you have to look at every masturbatory emission as potentially being reckless abandonment, mm. which I think is awesome. Yeah, And I think, you know, I've seen it floating around the internet, too, that, you know, or, well, Rachel Maddow said it the other night, that, like, if, you know, you're going to make women commit to a pe- pregnancy, then the man who impregnated her needs to be just as committed. Right.
0: To being a father. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. It's true. And we could talk about this subject too, forever. But, um, yes, Bad Feminist, Roxane Gay. I highly um, recommend it. The next book I read was a novel called South Haven,
1: and it's by a man named Hirsch Sawani. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. I I saw him last year at an event at the New Haven Cultural Center in partnership with the Institute Library. Uh, They have a writer circle, and they had a lunchtime event with him. And he is a wonderful man. I'm glad I finally read his novel. It was a fascinating time to read it uh, after just having read The Stray's by Emily Bitto, which is a novel about young girls, a young girl in particular. This novel, South Haven, is about a young boy. I think he's like in third or fourth grade when the novel opens, and his parents are from India. I think he was born in the States. I'm not really sure, but very early on, his mom dies. Hmm. So the novel is about this young boy and his father and his older brother and how they cope after losing the mom. And it starts, like I said, he's in maybe third or fourth grade up until the time he's in ninth grade or starting ninth grade. It's a very depressing novel in Mm. a lot of ways because it's not pretty, but it Mm. seems so real. The young boy, Siddharth is his name, turns to bullies. You know, those kids that are the loud, obnoxious Mm -hmm. ones. He he kind of finds himself with them Mm. at the expense of other friendships that he had had but those were the people who knew that he had lost his mom. So he wants to go with people who don't know about that Mm. side of his life. His dad, meanwhile, is a professor at a local college. He starts getting into the Hindu fundamentalist movement in India and the violence of that. Mm. And then uh, the older brother is off at college at Michigan and becoming much uh, more into the leftist worldview. So it's the tension between the three men, Mm -hmm. the three boys, the boys, the men. Um and then a new woman comes into the father's life, who's a woman divorced. She's Jewish. Mm -hmm. This adds some other layers to it. She has a son who's a little bit older, who's one of the really cool guys. So there's a tension then between her son Mark and Siddharth and the friendship that they initially had and what happens with them. And I tell you, at the end of the book, like, I haven't felt punched in the stomach mm. in a long time by a novel. And I felt that way no. at the end of that novel. And there's great tension. Like, I, some things that I thought would happen didn't. Mm. So he does a really good job of maintaining tension. Mm. But it's a beautiful story in that it's real. It mm-hmm. feels real.
0: Although he created, I think I remember reading this, correct me if I'm wrong, he created, geographically, a place that doesn't exist, right? Exactly, yes. Yeah.
1: It's kind of based on New Haven, because mm-hmm. South Haven... For those of you who don't know the area, we have New Haven, which is the big city in the area, and there's West Haven and East Haven and North Haven, and South Haven is technically
0: <laughs> the doesn't, Long right. Island
1: sound. Like, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah. he called it South Haven, but there's so many place names mm-hmm. and that, that ring true, hmm. but then also some of the towns... Like, you kind of know what town, what suburb he's talking about. So uh, that was an enjoyable read that way. As somebody who's new to the area, it's like, oh,
0: I recognize that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it sounds great. Yeah,
1: I really enjoyed it. I I hope he gets some good readership on this novel because I I really enjoyed it. And like I said, it wasn't always an easy read Mm -hmm. and it was pretty depressing at times. But I think it was real Mm -hmm. about grief and growing up.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. It sounds like, you know, that when people are grieving, they take different paths. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds like all three of them took very different paths. Yeah, so, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, very
1: really. totally recording. To. So
0: South Haven by Hirsch Sawani. And I just read a book called A Gentleman in Moscow by amortals A-M-O-R-T-O-W-L-E-S. Um, This is a book I'm reading for a book club. It's probably a book I never would have picked up were I not reading it for a book club. And it starts out in 1922, where our main character is sitting in front of a Bolshevik tribunal because he's written a poem that they object to. And they sentence him to life imprisonment in the Metropole Hotel, which is a very famous hotel. Um, in Russia. And um, he spends the rest of his decades in this hotel. And you kind of think, wow, how, how interesting could this book actually be? This character is never going to move. But of course, there's a cast of characters that um, work in the hotel and then come for stays at the hotel. And um, it's really all about that and what his life ends up being mm-hmm. there. And also just kind of against the backdrop of what's happening in Russia at that time. And it spans... Several decades. Mm-hmm. There was a point, um, Amor Tolls he got a lot of um, praise. This is his second book, but his debut novel, Rules of Civility, got a lot of notice. And I can see why, just because he's a beautiful writer. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very enjoyable book to read, just the way it was written. Mm-hmm. There was a little lull for me about... The mid, I think, around two page two hundred and fifty or so, which was the midway point. It's a long book. It's over four hundred pages, but then he introduced an entirely new character, that made which I won't spoil, but it made the rest of the book very enjoyable for me. So I'm glad that I didn't give up on it because I was having a moment there. That's
1: great.
0: Um, but uh, that's pretty much all I want to say about it. Although one thing I would say, if you're interested in reading it. You could go to his website. He has a great website, which I'll list in the show notes, and there's a really fun little video. You know, there's they're starting authors are starting to do this where they have little video kind of snippets about mm-hmm. their books, you know, kind of like how there are trailers for movies. Right, they book trailers. Book trailers. Yeah, yeah. And it's very cute. And his website is really well done. It's worth a visit. So um yeah. I, I highly recommend going to check him out. Now is that is that based on a true situation at all or just it's based on a true situation in the sense that the Metropole Hotel is a real hotel. He, there's a picture of him on his website working on the book at the hotel. Mm-hmm. And that it was always um, considered to be a very important hotel in the city. Mm-hmm. And even when there were times during the revolution where the Russia in general was fading, you know, they the Bolsheviks felt it was very important to keep up the pomp and circumstance of you know, these famous hotels, and they would want to have meetings there and kind of show it off. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, it's real, but this character is not a real character. You know? Yeah. there There was, now I can't think of the name, there were a couple characters that popped in, you know, that were visiting the hotel. And I looked him up because I thought, this seems too real. Because there, there are points in the novel where he has little footnotes, you know. And <laughs> some cool. of those were nice. real. Yeah. So okay. that, that was cool. So it was an enjoyable read. I recommend it. A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Toles. All
1: right. Well, the last thing I just read was um, the first volume, book one, in the trilogy called March uh which is John Lewis's life story written by John Lewis, Andrew Aiden, and Nate Powell. And it just won a national book award.
0: No, I'm trying to read this trilogy. I'm jealous that you got to
1: it before me. <laughs> well I couldn't believe it. I was at the library and all three of them they were there were they're on display and I was like, no way. I thought for sure mm-hmm. I'd be on a waiting list forever. So I, I checked them out and I, I really I just finished the first volume last night, book one, and really loved it. I enjoyed the illustrations as well. You and I don't read a lot of graphic novels. Yeah. Um, because we like to read. You know, we yeah. like that the fast pace of reading and and imagining things in our minds. But I I enjoyed the drawings as well as the story itself and look forward to getting into the subsequent volumes. Yeah. So I
0: could leave this one with
1: you here. Ooh, that would be I'll great leave that I with you and it. then you can just return it.
0: Yeah, I mean there's been I've been seeing headlines that bookstores have sold out of it, that it's a little bit harder to come Mm -hmm. by right now. It's very popular for obvious reasons with what we're facing in the country right now. Well, and Trump actually attacked John Lewis on Twitter. Right.
1: So that's,
0: uh, yeah. I had a very interesting thought about him um, because there was this, you know, they, when that happened, when Trump attacked him... They were posting some pictures of him back in, you know, during the Freedom Summer. Mm-hmm. That's what they called it, right? The Freedom Summer, I think. The, 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 during the sit-ins? Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's pictures of him, you know, being beaten mm-hmm. by the KKK, a KKK member, and then also just standing in the front with guns poised at him, you know, and I thought, what an interesting life this man has had, and what... He's such a powerful, well-spoken person. And here he is in his 70s, you know, facing it again Mm -hmm. with such, um, he just, he's, he's just a mannered, smart person, you know, and I have a lot of respect for him. And Mm -hmm. I grew up um, with the niece of Michael Schwerner, who's one of the three men who were murdered down in Mississippi during that summer. And so Martin Luther King, the celebration of Martin Luther King Day was always a very emotional time for her. And Mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I I mean, I have vivid memories of not quite understanding, Mm -hmm. you know, why she was so upset. And, um, you know, there are people who, people whose lives were changed forever from that summer because of the generations to come who were affected by it, you know. Yeah. And John Lewis had such a huge part to play in that and has not. Given up, you know. I mean, he's been in it all these years. Yeah, you know. Well, in,
1: in this story, it, it talks about his early boyhood, and uh, it, the first book ends with the the sit-ins in Nashville, mm. where where he did. Uh, and it talks about the training that they went through, the nonviolent trainings. And unfortunately, I can't think of the guy's name who did the trainings for them. But he's still training people mm. in nonviolent philosophy and practice they would get together and one person would be the antagonist and the other person would sit there and try and not to respond mm. and they would scream at each other and yell at each other call each other's names spit on each other throw crap on each other mm. and some people couldn't handle that but that was the point is to see can you take this right. can you be one of those people sitting at a food counter right with that kind of hatred mm-hmm. aimed at you and things being thrown at you and I thought that was really intense. Yeah. 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 Wow. To wow. depict that. So, uh, and, and it starts too, it's uh, Barack Obama's inauguration. So mm. it's kind of present time and it goes back okay. in, in time. Okay. The oh. setup is that there's a woman who comes with her two young sons to meet Lewis. So you have that present day and then going back in time, kind of telling the boys the story. Oh, okay. He's telling a story. Got it. Yeah. Yeah, So that's great. Yeah. All right. And are are we on to, Uh, I have one more book. I
0: just finished it this morning. It's called today will be different by Maria Semple. Some of you might recognize her name. She's the author of the book. Where'd you go? Bernadette, which was Mm. kind of all the rage a few years ago, Mm -hmm. I think. And I think maybe has been optioned as a movie. Um, I have to admit, I enjoyed Where'd You Go Bernadette a little bit more. She's a TV writer, Maria Semple, and so her books have kind of a familiar style. You know, you almost feel like you're on the set of a sitcom when you're reading them. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of dialogue. Um, And this one, this one, I enjoyed it. I sped through it really quickly. I think I read it in a day and a half or something, but... um, It was not as good as Where'd You Go, Bernadette. Okay. But I still... There were many laughs out loud. I mean, she's very irreverent and funny. And it's a family drama where her husband disappears. Her very um, staid, very um, dependable husband goes missing. Oh, my. And so she and her son go looking for him and it's kind of a comedy of errors to get there but um so that's really all I'll say about it it was a three-star read for me so I wouldn't not recommend it but Mm -hmm. if you've never read Maria Semple I would definitely start with Where'd You Go Bernadette so but the book that I'm talking about is Today Will Be Different by Maria Semple.
1: we move on to currently reading so currently reading i'm in the midst as i said earlier the uh, march trilogy right um and i'm also as i mentioned reading bad Feminist as well very glacially i'm going through that um I found that it was really hard for me with the anxiety and anger I'm feeling over things that have transpired since the inauguration. It made it kind of hard to read, and I actually tried to read a really light, fun, cozy mystery, and it just made me mad. Because mm. I thought, I just can't mm. get into the humor, humor, cutesy kind of stuff right now, which is why I picked up March. Yeah. And wow, that it was so inspirational and motivating, and it's like, yes, we can do this. Mm-hmm. So that was really good. Then the other thing, I I started listening to a new audio book. uh, The title is Something in the Blood, The Untold Story of Bram Stoker by David J. Skull. I'm listening to that on audio. So this is a nonfiction? It's a nonfiction. It's a biography. Okay. And I saw it when we were up at Northshire Bookstore. It was the first time I saw it on display. It's a new book out in hardcover or audio. And I love Bram Stoker, and I tried to read a different biography of him years ago, and I just thought, wow, this is somebody who really hates Bram Stoker. Oh,
0: (laughs) interesting. I just
1: couldn't get into it. (laughs) And it was a little too psychoanalytical or something Mm. for me. This one seems to be much more along the lines of a traditional biography of an author, like really trying to look at the person's life and their writing. It's also been nominated for an Edgar Award Mm. in the nonfiction category, as has Ruth Franklin's Shirley Jackson biography. That's also Mm. been nominated for a... Do you want to tell people what the Edgar Awards are? Sure. Edgar Award, it's an award that's uh, given through the Mystery Writers of America organization. And so every year they have different categories for Best Novel, Best First Novel, Best Paperback Original, Best Nonfiction. They have awards for short fiction and for... I believe for movie scripts and TV scripts as well and things like that. So it's it's a big deal yeah. to be nominated. Yeah. It's an honor to be nominated and then to win. And uh, you can go to Mystery Writers of America website, and they have all the past winners. And I think they even have the nominees as well as the winner highlighted. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, if you're looking yeah. for good mysteries or good nonfiction about mystery and true crime and whatnot, that's a good resource. That's so amazing. I just started listening to that. And one thing that you were talking about when you are talking about the novel of the guy who lived in the hotel. Yeah. Um, this is a fascinating thing. Bram Stoker is Irish, or was Irish, and from Dublin. And the house that he lived in as a really young baby child ended up having this weird connection with the Soviet takeover of Russia. And the jewels from the Romanovs actually were stored in that house because they... I don't remember now if it was the Bolsheviks or who got a loan from Ireland. And to partially pay for that loan, they gave these jewels as collateral or something like that. So for decades, those jewels were held in that house. Ooh, which I thought, that's wild. kind of a weird thing. Yeah. Interesting yeah. connection. So, huh. yeah. Wow.
0: Very yeah, cool. Yeah, so
1: I'm enjoying it so far, and I just started at listening to it on audio. Again, that's Something in the Blood, The Untold Story of Bram Stoker by David J. Skall
0: excellent well i'm currently reading still life by louise penny yay yay the first in the series which everyone tells me isn't the best one but it's worth it and you gotta get started and then you won't be able to put them down and i think there are eight or nine in the series oh now? gosh
1: i think there's more like 14 or something oh really yeah. oh
0: okay i yeah. didn't realize she was that i think she, she's definitely in the double digits She's a good writer, and she has, there, she has some one-liners that are great. I mean, that's the unfortunate thing when you're listening, I think, is, you know, like I was out on a walk the other day, and I thought, oh, I want to write that down, you know, yeah. but I'm out, you know, there I am, out <laughs> walking. So. Um, and I, so I'm listening to it on audio, but I also have the book, so I'm looking forward to spending this weekend doing both, mm-hmm. going back and forth. Cool. So again, Still Life by Louise Penny. So next up are our biblio adventures that we've yes. been on recently. Yes,
1: Do mine you wanna are,
0: go first. Sure, mine are all movie related. All right. <laughs> I haven't gotten far. <laughs> well, one I saw in the theater, the other I watched at home, and they're all, ironically, they're um, all based on Alice Munro short stories. Oh, cool. And for those of you who don't know Alice Munro, she's a very prolific short story writer. She won the Nobel Peace Prize for literature in 2013. And she's just a master short story writer. Mm-hmm. I've only read one of her books of short stories, but they're very good. She's, She has a way of, which I think to be a master short story writer, you need to be of being very succinct, not using many words to describe things, but yet describing them so well, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that you're sucked into the world. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. And she's also, she's pretty dark and her... her um, and stark, like I think of her writing as kind of stark. Um, so one of our listeners, actually Tony on Facebook, told me about the movie Hate Ship Love Ship, and um, the, directed by Le- Liza Johnson. And um, I watched it streaming on Netflix, and it stars Kirsten Wig and Guy Pierce. Actually, I think it's Kristen Wig. Sorry, not Kirsten. Kristen Wig and Guy Pierce and Nick Nolte. And it's based on the title story of her 2001 collection called Ship Friendship, Courtship, Loveship, Marriage. Wow. And um, I really enjoyed it. And it's, you know, Kristen Wiig is of SNL fame. So she's very much a comic actress, but this is a very serious part. Mm. And it's um, it's sad. Um, there's, there's definitely sadness, but then it also has to do with um, falling in love and getting married and how people's lives change, go from, you know, being a certain way to another way. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed it. And it also, it was interesting because having only read one Alice Monroe story, I'm like, ah, I feel it. I feel yeah. my Alice Monroe here, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one was a movie I saw in the theater um, in New York. I went back after we had been there. I went back that weekend and um, saw Julieta by Pedro, Pedro Amaldivar. Um, It's based on three stories from Alice Monroe's book, Runaway. And the stories are called Chance, Soon, and Silence. And for any of you who haven't seen Pedro Almodovar, his movies are visually stunning. You know, you'll be watching it and there's this scene and then they'll just be like, this woman will walk in in a red dress and it's just like... Just visually, they're just kind of sumptuous. I love them. And this movie takes place in Spain, so it's also kind of a love story to that setting. And Pedro Maldivar was raised by women, and he loves women, so his films are very women-centric, and he's not afraid to have lots of emotion and crying and, you know, real feelings in his movies. So um, this is a a mother-daughter, it's a a movie about mothers and daughters, and um, I really enjoyed it. I highly recommend it. And it's still in the theaters now. Julietta. Julietta. Yeah. So those were my only two adventures. What about you?
1: Well, I went, uh, I had an adventure with uh, my friend Jennifer, we went to the book barn in Mm. Niantic, it's a great place, the book barn. It has four locations full of books. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's really amazing. And uh, their latest location, it's the fourth one. Actually, they call it four and three quarters. Is, uh, <laughs> it's dedicated to literature, and they have a great like literary criticism and, and other categories in there, too. So we stopped there. My mission was to find James Baldwin's Giovanni's Room. Mm. So we went to that location, and then we went to the main barn location, where they do have a separate literature building. And I did not find the novel there, but I found some other treats. And then on the way home, we stopped at RJ Julia to get... Giovanni's Room and then I also wanted to get Hidden Figures for Laura she wanted to read it because she saw the movie and loved it and mm. I have yet to see it but I look forward to seeing it yeah I would like to see that So um, we should do that we should go see it totally I'd yeah, love to do that I yeah. To I, I, I look, yeah, I like matinees yeah me too <laughs> they're awesome me too it's a nice break in the day um, yeah. but also I didn't get Giovanni's Room yet Mm. So I'm still on a hunt to get okay. that because it's one of the classics I wanted to read this year. And then the other, uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if there's a liter- there's really not a literary connection, but I saw a show up in uh, West Hartford called Title of Show, oh. which was a, an interesting musical about two guys writing a musical in the 90s. And the whole premise is that they're writing the musical and the musical is showing them writing the musical. So it's two guys, they're two women friends, so it's a four-person show. Also, there was a keyboardist, so technically five people on stage. So it was a, it was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it. Great. Well, can I say? Yeah. Great. So those are my Biblio adventures. Awesome.
0: I forgot to tell you, I had, um, also when I went to New York, the reason I went back to New York is my aunt and her friends, in 2008, they started this thing called the Recession Swap. <laughs> where they get together in this one-bedroom apartment with um, one of my aunt's really good friends, and she brings in these racks, and people bring clothes and shoes and accessories and stuff to swap. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) And so I was invited last year but couldn't go, but this year I was able to go, and it was really fun. I had so much fun. And it's just a bunch of women crammed into this apartment getting down into their skivvies, you know, and trying stuff on and, you know, getting rid of some of your stuff that's, you know, been languishing in your closet that you know what good does it do you there mm-hmm. and someone else is going to enjoy it and getting new things and so the the party was over and I w- I stayed um, with my aunt and um, her friend and her friend's daughter and we were cleaning up and we were in the kitchen doing dishes and Marcy says to me oh Emily there was a really famous author here today I should have introduced you to her and oh I was my like God. what and she said yeah Sherry Fink was here you know her right she wrote that book five days at memorial and I was like Oh my God, like Pulitzer Prize winning Sherry Fink, you know, and I said, it's probably really good that you didn't introduce me, (laughs) because I would have completely fangirled on her, you know, but there was a point where she and I were, you know, getting dressed, and she's putting on, she put on this really beautiful shirt, she's this tiny little beautiful thing, and I was like, oh, that shirt looks really good on you, so... So I got to say something nice to Sherry Fink unbeknownst to me, you that's, know, but it's a great story, but it also reminded me of that book, which I really want to read. It's about, um, doctors in a hospital, uh, after Hurricane Katrina mm-hmm. and kind of that, the, you know, the after effects of that. And, um, I, they told me that she recently went back cause I think, wasn't it just the 10 year anniversary of Katrina? I think. Maybe. Yeah, and she went back, and I, I don't know if she's going to write another book or if she was just, it was just a follow up, and maybe there, there's an article in the works or something. Know. But cool. so that was kind of a funny yeah. literary moment.
1: <laughs> I didn't read that book, but I've I heard some NPR interviews with her. And yeah,
0: I'd really, really like to read it. It yeah. sounded really good, and of course, it got good, good press. So
1: I can't imagine that. I mean, I've worked in two hospitals. In my day, and I can't imagine something like that happening and, yeah. and what you do. Because yeah. I, I worked in an open-heart surgery ward, and mm-hmm. what you do when you lose everything. I mean, I know there's generators, but, yeah. yeah. And
0: Boy, I, Chris, every time I see you, I learn something new about you. Who knew? <laughs> yeah, I have used to work in open-heart surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could
1: tell you a story. One of the, the most amazing things I ever experienced was uh, there was a patient there who had open-heart surgery, standard open-heart surgery, nothing, you know, she's in great health, uh, but she got a chest infection. Mm-hmm. So they opened her up again, cleaned it out, closed her back up, the infection came back. Mm. So the doctor said, you know, we just can't keep doing this, it's not good for her body, it's taking too much of a toll. So they actually put, induced her into a coma and kept her chest cavity open
0: yeah for
1: the infection to yeah. come out. and the nurses took me in to see her beating heart and that was the most amazing thing because the heart it looked it was the most fragile delicate looking thing Mm -hmm. I've ever seen but yet so strong at the same time Mm -hmm. the way it was pumping yeah that it was like a miracle to see that so that's cool
0: yeah my dad had open heart surgery, and I'll never forget when the surgeon came out and shook my hand, and I was like, oh my God, this is the man that just had my dad's heart in his yeah. hands, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Totally. Modern medicine. Modern,
1: yeah. yeah. My dad had had open heart surgery two years before I had that experience, mm. so it, it really made me, I was a pretty young, I think I was like maybe 10 when my dad had open heart surgery, so it's pretty intense to think yeah.
0: about that. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. moving on. <laughs> Coming <laughs> Upcoming John's. Upcoming John's. I have one that you thought you could go on, but now you I can't know. go on. I'm I sorry. Can't. But um, February 9th, I'll be going to the Savoy, which is a pretty new bookstore in Westerly, Rhode Island, to see Min Jin Lee. And she has a new book out called Pachinko. And it's a, a Korean family saga that's been compared to Cutting for Stone, which was a mm-hmm. book that I really loved. So. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to read it before I go. I might try, but I'm looking forward to hearing what she has to say. Yeah,
1: that book's been on my radar. I, it looks like a real fascinating read.
0: Yeah, that's I all I've know. got on the books. What yeah, I
1: thought I was going to get to go, and then my, my phone keeps dropping appointments. Oh, right. It's you driving me crazy. Yeah, Mine does that, too. I don't know. I can't understand it. Yeah. Well, that night I won't be going to the book event because we're going to be going to see a show in new york city that night not bad not a, not, bad, trade-off. Not a bad trade-off i can't <laughs> complain so i don't really have a do i don't think i have any other upcoming like literary john scheduled i've been kind of looking around at what's going on at rj julia yeah um in the savoy it's a gorgeous bookstore for those yeah. of you in the area if, if you haven't checked it out yet do it's a beautiful bookstore
0: and then what's yeah. the one that's close to it too is it is it called bank books or
1: yeah bank bank street books that's the
0: one in mystic, in Connecticut. mystic. Yeah. yeah they're pretty owned close by together
1: annie Philbrick owns
0: yeah. both of them right and actually minjin lee is going to be in conversation with annie Philbrick. Yeah. so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. bond. Yeah, that's okay. I'll I'll bring You'll you a full, yeah. a full report. Yeah, full
1: report. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So then, our next category is upcoming reads. Yes.
0: What's coming up for you, Emily? I have one that I kind of feel like maybe I'm late to the party. I don't know, but my um, my daughter's friend alerted me to this book. So that's the 25 age set. So which I'm definitely out of a little bit out of touch with what they're reading, but this book is called Milk and Honey by Rupi Kaur. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. It's K A U R. Um, she she has a TED talk that I watched recently. She's a spoken word poet, and this book is um, it's it's kind of a um, a book of, of grief and loss. She was sexually assaulted, and so i I think this is kind of her um, search for healing. And so it's divided into four sections called the hurting, the loving, the breaking, and the healing. And it's um, written in verse, and she also um, has a lot of pictures in it. So I'm really looking forward to starting it this yeah. weekend, although it sounds like it's going to be maybe a hard read, but maybe with some uplifting parts to it as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Nice line drawings in there. Yeah, I really like those. it's yeah. really
0: beautiful. And I have to mm. tell you that I put this on request at the library probably three months ago, wow. so I'm really excited that it came in. Mm. Um, yeah. Yes. And then the other book that's on my uh, nightstand is Cruel, Beautiful World by Carolyn Lovett. She was a Booktopia author, and um, I, I can't remember the book I read of hers, but I really liked it. She's pretty prolific. She has several books out. And um, when I was looking at, just doing a little brief read about this, I noticed that she's going to be at the Newburyport Literary Festival in April. Oh, cool. Which I'm hoping to put on my calendar. Nice. So maybe I'll get to see her then. So those are my two upcoming reads. What about you? Oh. Well, I have The English Patient. Oh yes. That I'll be reading for our upcoming
1: I need to get joint back discussion. To that. Yeah. And then the Macbeth. Yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> which I've been kind of putting off, but um I will be picking that up. I think after I finish March, mm-hmm. I'll probably start both of them.
0: Okay, yeah. this is a I'm going to show my um, my lack of knowledge here. Macbeth would be a play. A play by correct? Shakespeare. Yeah. Okay. Well, I yeah. knew it was by Shakespeare, yeah. but it's so it's not that they've it hasn't been made into a book of sorts. It's like you're yeah, going to read the we're reading the play. actual
1: play. Yeah, wow. actual okay. play. I'll probably watch an adaptation of yeah. it too. Yeah. I chose this one. This is one that my friend John and I are reading for our master our literary masters calendar read along. Uh, but I chose it because it involves murder mm. and we're both into Crime fiction, right. so I thought it would be a good fit.
0: Fun. I mean, there's
1: so much, a lot of murders in Shakespeare. So, yeah. but I thought Macbeth would be a good one.
0: Now, have you read plays before? I well, I
1: had a Shakespeare seminar in college, okay. so I read. So I've read,
0: yeah, tons of his. So you know how to wade through. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's like um. It, once you start and you just kind of keep going and Mm -hmm. just let yourself stumble through it and not really understand what's going on, you eventually get the pacing and everything. Mm -hmm. It's what I tell people like if they're trying to read Chaucer Mm -hmm. um, or something, poems in general or plays, poems. I think a lot of people, they're so much, they're more used to reading narrative. So to stop and read poetry or plays, it's just a different way of reading and you just need to give yourself a break and Let yourself get into the flow. And then maybe go back and reread the beginning part. And Mm -hmm. you'll be amazed at how much then you can pick up Mm -hmm. from what you didn't really grasp in the beginning. They're not my favorite
0: form of reading to Mm -hmm. do, reading plays. Mm -hmm. It seems like it just would be a little bit more work. That's how I feel about it. But I don't know if that's true or not. I think it is. For me, it is.
1: Because it's not my natural Mm go-to of a nice narrative. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, another book, too, I might reread is 1984. I know everybody ah. is talking about rereading it. Yeah. And I think I read it in like 1982 or 1983 <laughs> when I was in high school. And I remember thinking like, well, it's not that far off. Like that's going to happen. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now here we are in 2017.
0: And wow, look what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, give us a report if you do. Yeah, I'll be we'll interested see. to know how you feel on that reread because yeah. I know I know a lot of people have been rereading it. I've been seeing that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Very good.
0: Another, another episode under our belts. Episode yeah. six. So maybe That's we should just um, remind people about the English patient patient read along. I don't know if we should, cause I, isn't that going to be done by then? By Monday.
1: Oh, yeah, right. Tuesday. We're posting this on <laughs> i <I'm laughs>
0: like, really? Uh-oh, i got to do some reading. <laughs> no, I think yes. we wanted people to, um, if you have any questions, if you could email us around February 1st. By February 1st. Yeah, please. that'd be yeah. great. Bookcougars at gmail.com. Um, no pressure, you know, Chris and I are going to talk about it regardless, but if anyone has any questions or comments they'd like to share, we'd be happy to yeah. hear from you. Yeah. Just a comment too, if, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going to try and watch the movie too. Yeah. That's yeah. a good Maybe idea. Maybe we can get together and do that. Yeah. That's a great okay. idea. I would love to do that.
1: Movie night. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and then, um, you can also tweet at us at bookcougars.com. And you can go to our website, which is bookcougars.com. I recently had a friend say, I need you to write down all the books you talked about in the last episode. Well, lo and behold, we've already done that for you <laughs> and is available at our website. Under each episode, there are show notes, and we have um, all the books listed, and we have sometimes links to things mm-hmm. we've talked about or places we've visited, yeah. so check it out.
1: And our Facebook page is bookcougars, so you can easily find us there, too, and it's pretty active. A lot of yeah. people engaging and having conversation there. So if you're looking for some book talk, join us there. Yes, we'd love to hear from you. If you're listening to us on iTunes and would like to give us a review, we'd love to hear your feedback. And that
0: helps other people find us as well. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, All right. everybody. Bye, everybody.
1: Happy reading. Happy reading.
0: Happy